Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Sri Ayer. Today I have the pleasure of company of Gauri Dwivedi. She used to be at NewsX, a very charming host, and we have had uh, Gauri gracing our channel a couple of times before. And today she's going to talk about something that is going to affect our lives in the days and weeks to come, and that is the inflation effect of a rising crude price without further delay let's welcome gauri gauri namaskar and welcome to p guru's channel thank you so much thank you so much for having me thank you so gauri i will yield the floor to you please tell us how you see it you have an economics degree from delhi school of economics and uh, this is the avatar that we are going to see today a, a, a person who can analyze numbers and can project to us where you think things are headed and if there is anything that the indian government can do to soften the blow for the aam aadmi this is the common man not the party name take it away thank you uh, thank you mr ayer for that uh, yes i've uh, sort of collected my thoughts uh, in uh, a basic presentation just uh, for uh, ease of understanding that what really are we talking about and why does rising crude prices impact india and india's finances uh, very significantly so just uh, you know a couple of slides and we can just uh, go on that uh, the challenges of rising crude for india there are several uh, because india remember uh, is a very large importer of crude and uh, india imports about 85% of uh, its energy requirements uh, for fy20 that is the year that ended in march 2020 which was before covid india imported about 4.54 million barrels per day that's our daily crude oil consumption 85% of which is imported in january 2022 as we are hoping that we recover and get back to our pre covid levels consumption is still at 4.3 million barrels per day this is just to give a sense of what is the scale at which we are talking about our energy consumption and if we are talking about much of it being imported then the import bill is very very significant in current financial year india's import bill has already crossed about 94 95 billion dollars in fy20 which is the year that ended march 2020 there's no point taking the covid year in terms of any comparison so i've left that out so right. the financial year that ended on march 2020 the import bill was 101.4 billion dollars remember we are still at lower consumption levels and this number is only till january february and march numbers are yet to be added from uh, requirements point of view middle east us canada and africa pretty much make up the bulk of how we uh, buy our energy consumption Uh, energy needs so 62% of that comes from the middle east uh, iraq is the biggest crude oil supplier it was earlier saudi arabia till 2017 but now it is iraq iran we can't buy of course because of sanctions we can't buy from venezuela as well because of us sanctions still now there are no sanctions on the russian oil and gas but uh, mr biden seems to be in a hurry to do that as well because impact on him is negligible uh, us only imports 4% as compared to europe um and uh, us of course is a very large producer of crude oil which india isn't now uh, from from the last one month ever since we've been talking about uh, the crisis in russia and ukraine in fact just a fortnight prices have risen by 25% and russia is now saying that if you exclude me from the global crude oil market then the price could go up to as high as 300 billion dollars per uh, 300 dollars per barrel um and and who knows what could be the ceiling 
and for India, it's a cause of worry because as I explained, we're talking about 4.5 million barrels per day, 85% of which is imported. And if this is how the crude is going to behave, then our finances could go in for a complete toss. And what could be the cascading impact of that is, of course, what I will explain in the next couple of slides. Now, just to just to keep it very simple, when we talk about $300 per barrel uh, or, or $130 per barrel, as it was trading right now, just before going in, uh, how much of it is factored in by India? The finance minister, when she presented her budget on the 1st of February, it looks like many, many uh, weeks ago, but it was just five weeks back, she budgeted the uh, oil prices to be at $75 a barrel. So her headaches have compounded and so have for India as well, because she thought it's going to be $75 a barrel at which she, she went ahead and made all the projections for the coming year. And we're already talking about $130 a barrel. And Russia is... The warning should be taken very seriously when Russia says that be prepared for it to go up three times of what it is right now. And since India is a very large importer of crude, as I explained earlier, we get impacted both on the fiscal as well as the monetary side. Yes, yes, sir, Sri, you have a point. Yes, a couple of things I want to add to what you said, Gauri. Today, uh, U.S. has banned import of Russian oil, and that uh, constituted 8% of U.S.'s imports. Strangely, U.S. is now talking to Venezuela and uh, to Saudi Arabia to try and make up for that shortfall because U.S. is hell-bent on destruction. They don't want to reopen the Keystone pipeline, nor do they want to start shale. But I think this is going to change soon. But at $300, I mean, the the, the commercial interests of shale production, they are profitable at around $40 a barrel. And, and to extract crude from the ground, $2 a barrel. Yeah. So imagine the amount of money that Russia and, and the Middle East countries are making right now at 130 itself. So yes. it, there's a lot of money at stake here. I don't think U.S. will sit in the sidelines. Uh, doesn't matter if uh, people are climate uh, uh, energy con uh, enthusiasts. Anyway, I just wanted to add that thing. Please continue. No, you're right about the fact that uh, the dynamics of the energy market are going to be very uh, volatile. And there are a lot of players here. You know, even uh, the OPEC countries. Uh, remember, uh, there is now going to be an added push around the world, EU particularly, uh, if oil prices keep rising, that there will be a push towards clean energy. That will be expedited, right. and that's not right. an OPEX interest. So, right. uh, yes, a lot of dynamics there uh, to sort of uh, keep in mind. Yeah. Um, but particularly in terms of how India gets impacted. So this is, this is a very uh, simple way of uh, understanding back of the envelope calculations that how much uh, should we brace ourselves for the oil shock. Every $10 rise in uh, oil prices leads to at least a 0.3 or maybe a 0.4% increase in inflation for India. That's a direct impact. We're not talking about any indirect impact that will come in later as a cascading impact of inflation comes in. Second is the GDP. Direct impact of a $10 per barrel rise in oil leads to a 0.2% reduction in GDP. So um, when we are talking about $130 a barrel, we're talking about $60 more than what the finance minister budgeted for. We can just multiply these numbers by six, and we are then standing at a very significant challenge for the Indian economy. And as far as the current account uh, 
deficit is concerned, that will also rise uh, fairly significantly uh, if there is just a $10 increase as far as oil prices are concerned. Now, um, what is the monitor? As I said, there's going to be two impact, fiscal as well as monetary. First, if you talk about the monetary impact, uh, global crude oil prices, the moment they become volatile, it impacts our rupee. Our currency, it's not in a free fall like it was in 2013, but it's under tremendous pressure. What does it mean? It means that for importing the same amount of oil, we need to shell out more. If we were shelling out an X amount of money, now that the rupee has been depreciated 2%, 2.5%, we've got to pay that much more. Add to it increase in oil prices, and we're definitely talking about a fairly significant oil shock. From balance of payment point of view, as, as uh, prices skyrocket, the current account deficit will also widen by 1%. And most importantly, where will interest rates go? RBI is not going to be sitting on the sidelines when something like this happens. And I'm going to come back to the interest rate point after talking about the impact on the fiscal math of uh, India as far as crude oil prices are concerned. There you go. 70 to 100% rise in crude oil in the last fortnight will lead to a direct 2 to 3% rise in inflation. Which governor of a central bank can allow that to happen? And most certainly not for RBI, given that the RBI's stated inflation target is 6%. We are already at 6%. And if it increases by 2 to 3%, obviously RBI will be forced to take some drastic measures and growth will not be a priority. Cutting prices will become a priority. The growth versus inflation trade-off will suddenly become in favor of inflation and not so much for growth. The GDP projection for FI23 is 8.9%. This is already lower than 9.2%, which the economic survey had spoken about. And it's very unfortunate that this oil price shock is coming at a time when the Indian economy is just recovering. It is, as I said at the beginning of the first slide, we are still not at the same level of oil consumption as we were before COVID. So we still not reached those levels two years later, but we are closing in, which tells that the economic recovery is expected soon. But if this oil shock comes in the way we are projecting or the way it looks like, then the GDP growth rates of 8.9% look really challenging. And what will then happen is the biggest discussion that will emerge is who is going to bear this burden? Will this burden be borne by consumers? Will this burden be borne by government? Or will this burden have to be borne by industry or corporates? Either way, in all such scenarios, interest rates will be impacted. Yes, Sri. Um, Gauri, uh, I'm sorry to uh, stop you, but I needed to ask you some questions. My mind doesn't store five questions in a stack. First question I had was today, I believe the rupee versus dollar is at 77. It yes. was at 73, 74 for a long time, and now it has slipped to 77. Some are predicting that it's going to go up to 80. So okay. that is one. I just wanted mm -hmm. to share that with the viewers. The second thing is that, you know, during the UPA era, they bought oil, uh, they, they, they sold oil bonds to the, uh, you know, people who are exporting uh, or selling crude to us. And those payments are now being made by the BJP government. And BJP government said that is why when the crowd crude was low, we couldn't pass on the benefits to you because we have all these payments that we have to take care of. So I'm curious, what are the ways that the government has to tackle this? Because I don't think they can float more oil bonds. I don't know if 
there is room for doing that so basically what i'm hinting at is that this burden will have to be borne by the consumer which means even more pain just my two cents please continue yes and i'll, I'll tell you uh, before i go back to the next slide that there is a lot of uh, you know a lot of economists have uh, brainstormed regarding who bears the uh, the burden the most and uh, studies seem to indicate unfortunately very disheartening this is for consumers that every time government decides to bear the burden the consumption spending doesn't rise so much so the idea is that if the oil shock is borne by the government and consumer doesn't uh, pay more then he should be spending that much more but he tends to save that much and therefore the economy does not see a multiplier effect if on the other hand government says i am not going to bear the additional burden consumer will that entire amount that is passed on ends up becoming government spending and leads to a multiplier effect the third part is can corporates bear that and that i'll talk about later as well but just to complete this uh, corporate debt to gdp in india right now is at a is at a historic low in fact uh, it's as as low as 2003 levels so there is some wisdom in pointing that maybe some amount of this can be borne by corporates as well because higher input costs will impact their bottom lines but if their debt levels are at historic lows then some of this can be borne by them as well but yes um, this economic model points out that not good days ahead for buying petrol gauri before i get you let you go back to the slide corporate philanthropy is an oxymoron but please go ahead <laughs> yes indeed yes indeed it is yes so uh, who bears the burden as i said is going to be the uh, billion dollar question here but again back of the envelope calculation suggests that every 5 rupee uh, per liter cut in excise duty remember petrol is a very heavily taxed uh, uh, commodity in india both state governments and central government match their finances just by petrol uh, fuel i mean um every 5 rupee cut in excise duty actually cost the exchequer anywhere between 1.4 to 1.5 lakh crores in terms of revenue foregone and that impacts their ability to spend on welfare schemes whether it is narega or you know free ration and so on um and especially at a time when the government is continuing to face um serious challenges in terms of job creation it will be under tremendous pressure to not pull back on welfare schemes so in such a situation can it afford a 1.5 or a 2 lakh crore hit on its revenues is is really a very tricky question to answer there is the consumer interest vis-a-vis the social welfare interest as well as for consumers uh, if if they bear the burden of course consumption spending will be impacted uh, consumption spending will be further slowed down to to simplify it India is not a manufacturing story India is a consumption story uh, we consume enough within our economy to spur several sectors if petrol prices increase unfortunately we don't think we have enough in our pockets uh, in terms of disposable income to spend and that uh, has uh, larger economic uh, implications and uh, in terms of uh, how india stands to get impacted uh, the corporate sector bit that i i wanted to come to later is um, specific sectors will be hit very majorly cement paint airline tire fmcg 
they have as much as 50% of their raw materials coming from petrol products. So their margins, their bottom lines will be very um, significantly hit. And that will impact their ability to plow back. That will impact their ability to invest. And uh, bottom line is, uh, it could mean that uh, not enough private investment would take place. Um, in an economy where you have four major growth drivers, four growth cylinders, it will come back to one cylinder, which is government spending. You will have private investment being sluggish, consumption spending being uh, sluggish, exports still continue to be a very muted and a damp story. So it ends up becoming the government or the infrastructure story uh, to really uh, propel the government uh, in, in terms of a choppy water. So that's really a very broad, uh, you know, perspective that I wanted to share in, you know, for the conversation to go from here on that why is it so tricky for uh, the FM and there are unfortunately no easy answers. Um, Gauri, I'm just going to request my editor to put up if we have any questions, just say yes or no. I have a few questions to ask you, but uh, he can figure out if there are any questions for you on this topic, Gauri. But thank you for a very scholarly presentation. Uh, you will make your economics professor very proud. Uh, I guarantee you. you this was this is a very erudite, very lucid presentation, very easy to follow. But see, I have done some articles on P gurus where the impact of direct direct impact of uh, crude is the price at the pump of petrol, gasoline, diesel, and so on and so forth, kerosene and so on and so forth. Now, there is an indirect effect, which is that the, the price rise gets passed on to all the goods that are being transported, whether it is uh, lorries or containers or trains and so on and so forth. Now, Two studies were conducted, one in Sri Lanka and one in Turkey, which are like apples to apples comparison because these are all developing countries. The impact was 4x. And, and I just want your thoughts on this. If you can, mota mota, right? Like you can say today it is at crude is at here, onions are at here. Tomorrow the crude, uh, the price, oh, I'm sorry, the price at pump here is today is here, onion is here. Two weeks from now, this is going to be here. Where is onion going to be? Something like that, if you can help us with understand the real impact. Paisa, paisa, rupiah, paisa. It could be two times or it could be even more. As, as significant a hike as we are talking, uh, it could be at least one and a half to two times of food, uh, not just food and vegetables, even edible oil, uh, wheat. Anything that requires to be transported. Right. Everywhere. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, for for, uh, for uh, not just for food and vegetables or fruits and vegetables, other impact from Russia, Ukraine will also be that uh, Ukraine happens to be the granary uh, of Europe. It produces about 14% uh, of world wheat. So add that factor in as well. So you're further putting in pressure on prices. Likewise, sunflower oil. India imports about 84% of its sunflower oil. Most of it comes from Ukraine. Add that in as well to the inflationary uh, tendency that we are seeing right now. So it could be one and a half to two times of not just lower price commodities like onions. Yes, of course, governments fall on onions, but something like oil. Oil prices, if they rise you one and a half times. You put a very important statement there. Governments <laughs> fall on onions. Please continue. <laughs> yes. So, so yes, uh, you know, so not just the onions part, but even something like um, edible oil. If that increases by one and a half times or twice, then we are talking about some very significant inflationary 
tendencies that enter the Indian economy and uh, make things very difficult for the Amatni. Now, uh, one of the options that is there for the government and uh, uh, World Bank uh, uh, officials have expressed this. There are about 198 countries, give or take one or two. Out of these, except India, everybody printed additional currency during the COVID times, except India. So this official was wondering, what is it that India knows that the others don't know? See, if India had printed more currency and put more money in the hands of people, especially the middle class got short shifted. Modi didn't even look at the middle class and say, hey, these guys may be having, you know, committed expenses like their children's education and so on and so forth. If they are being asked to work from home, if some of the, you know, retail jobs went away, how are they going to fend for themselves? So everybody dug into their savings and India did not print notes at that time. Today, if India decides to do that I will print more notes to make up for some of this and distribute it among people, would that have a pressure on the Indian rupee again? Now it would. Now it would, Sri, because uh, uh, there are now multiplier effects as far as and very major challenges on different counts. Now the Indian rupee would be under tremendous pressure if the government decides to print uh, uh, additional currency. Remember, additional currency printing was talked about in May 2020, November 2020, uh, and even January 2021. We came up with our own big stimulus package. And, and you know, um, if we start talking about it, the conversation will get derailed into it. All I can say is that the 20 lakh crore, unfortunately, didn't do much to the economy. It didn't lift it the way it should have, because for whatever reasons, you know, if you go into the fine print of that stimulus, you will realize how much a little of it actually came in. But yes, printing currency was an option 18 months or even 12 months back. I do not think that's an option right now because RBI will start tightening interest rates. If it starts raising interest rates, then there is no opportunity to start printing currency because then you're talking about two different things. The government will say print more currency. RBI is saying, I'm going to squeeze some liquidity out because I'm going to raise interest rates because I don't care about growth. I'm going to care about only inflation. That's my target. Inflation should be 6%. It's already at 8 or 9%. I don't care about growth. So that trade-off, unfortunately, is not going to go in favor of uh, printing money. Thank you for that. Uh, that was what I was afraid of. And, and viewers, I am an economic hobbyist. And economics is not a subject that someone can pick up as a hobby. But I did it because at the end of the day, it all comes to dollars and cents or rupiah and paisa. And that is what economics is all about. Gauri, I'm going to ask you a tough question. You can feel free to say, I don't know, I don't want to answer, but I'm still going to ask you this question. Finance ministry, the mandarins in the finance ministry, the babus in the finance ministry, I feel like they confuse between microeconomics and macroeconomics. Your thoughts? That's really a tricky one. Uh... Uh, answering that will only going to get me into troubled uh, waters. But uh, I think, Sri, it's important to have some out-of-the-box thinking. Uh, we can't keep having templated responses. Every time inflation goes up, we will increase interest rates. Then we, the co companies will come crying two quarters later that, you know what, because of interest rates, cost of capital is so high and we don't have money. So you once again start losing interest rates. You know, this whole cycle is only going to give us status quo growth. And we are on status quo growth. 
Are we on that 8%, 9%, 10% trajectory that we need? We are not. To achieve $5 trillion is a very ambitious target. And But to be realistic about it, we need to get out of these templated responses. Crude oil shock has happened. It has happened for everybody. But there were times when we were also beneficiaries of a crude uh, oil being very benign. Even if you take the oil bonds, there was still scope for us to hedge some of this risk. If we don't hedge our risks, then we find ourselves in, in such a deep mess. You know, uh, I was going to ask you the next question and you <laughs> pulled it out of my mouth. So do you think the present government has an option to float more oil bonds or no? I think I think they have no option but to run a bigger deficit uh, budget, uh, Shri, because uh, they will end up floating more bonds. Uh, the reason for that is there are other challenges. It's not just the crude alone. The government goes into a general election two years later. The government is facing, <coughs> excuse me, biggest criticism <coughs> related to <coughs> jobs. So uh, that will that will really uh, require them to uh, float more bonds and run a deficit. Uh, Gaudi, <coughs> if you want to get a glass, a sip of glass of water, please feel free, and I'll just second? make a cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, viewers, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe to our channel if you have not already done so. And if you want notifications, I believe many of the browsers require you to click on the bell button, and that's when you get the notifications. It changes from browser to browser. We have not been able to establish any correlation. So just to be safe, subscribe to the channel. Also click on the bell button. And and you, you are seeing a new facet of Gauriji. Uh, she has been a news anchor at NewsX, has always valued her opinion and the way she used to conduct her shows. And today we are seeing her in a totally new avatar of that of an economist. And you can see the amount of effort that she has put into this presentation, top drawer, top of the drawer, because everything that I can think of in terms of what happens when the basic thing, that is a crude, goes up in price is already captured. So um, Gauriji, Let's see if there are any questions, and uh, uh, I'm going to open it up for questions. There you go. We have a very knowledgeable audience, Gauriji. You'll be surprised at the, the depth and perception of some of the questions. Uh, Mr. Lee wants to know, many oil majors are pulling out of Russia. Is there an opening for ONGC reliance in joint ventures with Russia? The answer to that depends upon the secondary sanctions that U.S. has imposed. Uh, it is not going to be a simple uh, someone's exiting, we can enter. Uh, U.S. has imposed secondary and tertiary sanctions as well, geography specific, sector specific. Whether all that can allow us to actually go and have some uh, joint venture there remains to be seen. I don't think it's going to be so easy. And, and India's record has been that any time... Uh, U.S. imposes sanctions, India never crosses that line. So I think viewers, you need to understand the fast-moving developments around the world. Many of you have given me a lot of grief saying that I'm supporting uh, that India should support U.S. or not. See, some of the things is we kind of know what is going down the pipe, coming down the pipeline ahead of what you consume from MSM in India. I'm not saying anything right or wrong. It is just that's the way it is. So anyway, so let's go to the next question. Krishna Gudipati wants to know, should countries start paying in cryptocurrency to keep the oil prices not affected by wars? 
cryptocurrency is not legal how can we then pay in this uh, currency nobody accepts it uh, so uh, it's it's not legal tender so we can't pay in it and i don't think any of the oil producing countries are going to agree to even 1% volatility entering their oil contracts so cryptocurrency brings in that yes and krishna you should look at the price of bitcoin it has crashed because see predominantly one of the counterparties in any bitcoin based transaction or any cryptocurrency transaction it was either russia or iran or north korea or china china and russia were probably 80% okay so when these people are going offline and, and trust me when i say this china is tried three or four times to stop or completely ban and it has not been successful it's just that they just kept saying this thing but bitcoin is not legal tender so i think that route is not going to happen um any anything you want to add gauri before we go to the next question no absolutely it's not legal tender there's no way that these oil contracts can happen in bitcoin no and and mr lee wants to know can the rupee ruble trade be reestablished for oil import from russia as was done in pre 1991 years with the ussr <clears throat> i think there's going to be some uh, effort to start rupee ruble trade because uh, there will also be uh, shri some focus on rebuilding this region remember uh, ukraine russia uh, that entire region will now need some greater economic ties as well uh, of course bulk of it will go to china but some secondary uh, market there is scope for india to come in and that is where rupee ruble trade will be explored it has to circumvent sanctions but it will be able to particularly because there's going to be a significant requirement for development in that entire region and my assumption is whenever this war ends whenever the conflict ends russia will will not vacate whatever ground it has it has captured it's not going to cede space which means even in ukraine it will have a fair say in terms of decision making it will decide or could decide how post conflict ukraine will be developed or that infrastructure will have to be redeveloped and if in that 90% of it goes to china at least 10% will come to india and that route has to be through the rupee ruble trade that that's my two cents of how this could end next question please mohan gds wants to know will this impact the bank interest rates passed on to the depositors yes uh, depositors uh, are going to be in for another route shock and uh, i'll tell you the first time bank depositors were cheated uh, over slighted rather was uh, in 2014 itself uh, when the first decision that the government the present government took was that even the interest that you earn on your deposits is also going to be charged on tds whatever money you've earned you've paid taxes on it and then it's in fd but you're going to pay taxes on on your interest on fd as well so that is that is how the government perceives depositors to be i mean i i can be a very maybe i'm being very harsh but that's how i feel so interest rates for depositors they are going to be in for another root shock it's it's going to be further decline we we wish we could give you some good news all i all we can tell you is i guess con continue to save up because we don't know when this is going to end next question from mandar karnik will it be better for the government to absorb higher fuel prices rather than giving the impact to consumers lower welfare spending be done this year as a way to absorb higher fuel prices sorry we need to win elections uh, and it's a you know any democratic government has a lot of answering to do uh, 
there's a major general election two years later. Before that, there are a couple of important state elections as well in in uh, 23 as well as in 2022. There's no way that the government can go back on welfare spending. If anything, they'll push on it further uh, because because of high unemployment, because there are no jobs, because the market is so uncertain. They'll have to push more on welfare spending, which will mean more free ration and more Narega and, and more freebies and stuff. So there's no way they can cut back on any of that. Rajesh wants to know, is there any oil self-sufficiency option? Okay, so the good news is that India finds itself exactly in the same spot as Germany and Italy find themselves in, which is they have no self-sufficiency option as far as oil is concerned. <laughs> they have no option whatsoever. Um, the other good news is we are not so directly dependent on Russian oil as they are. But uh, beyond that, oil self-sufficiency is so far away. Uh, before that, I believe green, green technology is, is going to make a march and hopefully change uh, uh, the, the oil dynamics uh, for us. And, and what I said earlier as well, Sri, I think uh, as prices rise, uh, EU is going to see some sort of a debate and a concerted push towards clean energy because they're going to say, how long are we going to be dependent on the likes of Russia and company? Uh, let's focus on on green energy uh, and green technology and it could it could happen in about 10 years and if that actually gathers space opec will then start cutting prices because then it's yes. a matter of survival faram wants to know can we import oil from iran after taking us in confidence looking at the price of oil us may allow us to or ignore for the time being no, oil, oil uh, we cannot import from Iran. Iran used to be one of our biggest uh, uh, importers, but uh, not after the sanctions. We can't. There's no way you can circumvent U.S. sanctions. They are multi-layered. Uh, we can't import from Venezuela. We can't import from Iran. Um, so, no, there's no way we can do it. Um, Param, I want to let you in on a secret. The entire stock market edifice entire world stock market edifice is based on energy, energy trading, energy derivatives, and so on and so forth. There is no way anything there will be given to anyone. India cannot remember that the main reason why U.S. invaded Iraq to oust Saddam Hussein, I mean, they will not accept it. Nobody will accept it. Is that Saddam Hussein said that I will take euros for my crude if I'm selling it to Europe. That was what was the trigger, not weapons of mass destruction. This is my personal view. I, I, I could be wrong about this. Uh, but uh, you want to add something to that, Gauri? No, that's that's your personal view. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is no proof on this. I, I, I want to be very clear about this. Uh, anyway, Mandar Karnik has another question. I thought we were done, but la well, last question. Uh, where does Indian strategic depth in oil supply come from? I... Um... I'm afraid there's no much. There's not much strategic depth here. We import 84% of it. Um, we've been trying uh, about oil production. We've made very uh, slow progress, and we've also been trying on um, storage facilities. But uh, there again, we haven't been making much progress. Uh, uh, even though prices have fallen in the past, we have not been able to store much because we have no storage facilities. Uh, so we need to have a strategic thinking on all these fronts, like um, all major countries have strategic reserves. Uh, India doesn't have, it has, but very minor. We need to build on those. 
Yes, indeed. And and we have said this thing in the past uh, when I have done in Global Insights with uh, Sridharji that when Iran got turned off, when, in, when U.S. stopped Iran from exporting oil to India, U.S. offered very favorable terms, including having reserve where you could draw down from their reserves in Saudi Arabia. Now, I don't know what the present situation is. Because right now, U.S. itself is asking Saudi Arabia and Venezuela. And the rumor is that MBS is not picking up Biden's call. It's that bad right now. So there is there is a really big situation developing right now. I don't know if U.S. can come to India's help in trying to tide over this crisis. I think it has to bite the bullet, unfortunately. Gauri, in conclusion, if you want to add something, we have been... Uh, so, you know, we've been, it's been a treat listening to you. We're looking at a totally new avatar of uh, Gauri here. And uh, I'd like you to just conclude this and then we can perhaps meet again in two to four weeks time to see how things go. Thank you so much uh, for this, uh, Shri. Yes, it has been a completely different uh, experience today and a follow up of my book, of course, uh, where I've been talking about several of these uh, issues. Uh, as far as oil, the only thing I want to sum up here is that uh, it's it's going to be a very tricky three to four quarters for India. And uh, my my fear is that it could dampen our, our growth trajectory. As we get back on the growth trajectory, it could dampen um, the whole uh, growth experience for us. Uh, and it's not just oil. There are also other commodities that will be impacted. Uh, so we need to be very clear that it's not just just about energy, but commodity prices also will skyrocket. And we need to really brace ourselves for what lies ahead. Maybe it's going to test. It's only a, a, an, a, an adversity or a challenge that really tests uh, a policymaker. So who knows? Nirmala uh, Sitaraman will probably just pull a rabbit out of her hat and give us some interesting, innovative solutions to this. Thank you very much, Gauri. And as always, viewers, uh, please don't forget to share, like, and subscribe to our channel and also click on the bell button. Namaskar. Namaskar.